I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to Achtung Rural, broadcasting from the beautiful South Birmingham. Accept no substitute. Good morning, dear listeners. Welcome, one and all. Welcome to another randomizer fixture from the past. Our great god of chance, by the name of Random.org, has today thrown us up the year 1969, dear listeners, the year of the moon landings, um, the outbreak of violence in Northern Ireland that will become to be called the Troubles. And I believe the opening of the musical Hair, which I never saw, in the West End. I think that was 1969. If not, um, we'll give a full money back refund on this show if that fact is incorrect. But welcome, dear listeners. Welcome to uh, Achtung Mill. My name is Nick Hart. You're listening to the number one mill podcast, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey. So on this weekend in 1969... As we must stick to the rules of the gods of chance, mustn't we? We have a a loss. Um, Millwall nil, Leicester City won in Division 2. That game was played on the 30th of August 1969, a result that um, left us in 19th place. Bit of a poor start to the season, 69-70. It did recover, but um, certainly the opening fixtures weren't terribly bright for the Lions. Played in front of 14,011 spectators at Cold Blow Lane. The Mill team in this loss in goal, the legendary Brian King. Do check out my interview with, with Brian King, incidentally, dear listeners. Um, so a good few episodes back now, one of the lockdown ones we did, but um, a great goalkeeper. Uh, it was wonderful to be able to speak to Brian King, um, a kind of a godlike figure from my, my when I first started going as a kid in the early 70s, and it's a really fascinating part of doing this podcasting malarkey to be able to speak to to men who are your, who are your kind of childhood heroes, and Brian King was very much in that category. So King is in goal for this defeat to Leicester City. The back line this day, um, Nichols. I don't know Nichols, and I, I don't know anything about Brian Nichols beyond the uh, the ball statistics on the Mill History site that he played for us from 1968 to 1970, born in Dagenham, uh, left back, covering for Harry Cripps on this particular occasion. But Nichols made just 11 starts, one as a substitute for the Lions 
uh, 68 to, to 70. So not a huge figure in mill history. Covering today for a very huge figure in mill history in Harry Cripps. He didn't play today. He must have been injured. Back line there for Nichols Kitch, Burnett, Dennis Burnett and Brian Brown. I'm going to come back to Brian Brown later. He was substituted in this game for a player called Howells. Again, not a name that I know. This, this era predates me starting to go to Mill, so some of the names are familiar to me, and I know them in the sense that I watched them play later on in the early 70s. Others are like the, um, you know, the, the kind of the, the period before you were born. It's ancient history, so I don't know Howells. I don't know George Jacks in midfield. I know the name, but I don't never saw him play for Millwall. So any listeners of a certain vintage that can... Uh, give any background info on George Jacks, please, please do. Uh, midfield, I'll put put it as a midfield three. I think it was a four-three-three formation that manager Benny Fenton, and whom we will come back to shortly, he would play four-three-three. Jacks, Eamon Dunphy, and Billy Neal across the midfield, and then further forward, Gordon Bolland, great player of the Afro hairstyle, Derek Posse, goal-scoring machine, left the, the season after I started going, but I did see him play for Millwall. And sadly, I never saw Keith Weller play for the Lions, but a magnificent footballer. And again, we will come back to Keith Weller later on in this show. So that's that's the, the, the kind of the bones of what I would think of as a classic Millwall lineup. And by a classic Millwall lineup, I suppose I mean the lineup that I first saw when I first started going late in 1972, the near miss season, but certainly the main elements were in place this season with one or two fringe players that uh, would come and go. Now we do have a press report. This is the Sunday Mirror of August the 31st, 1969. We do have a match report. Millwall nil, Leicester City one. Millwall slid into the lower reaches of Division Two and have the worst defensive record. 13 goals conceded in the in the division yet they should have been two up by half time it was City's power push in the final 20 minutes which saw Mill concede a soft goal in inverted commas seven minutes from time when teenager Alistair Brown slid his shot under Brian King Keith Weller and Derek Posse spearheaded the savage mauling of Leicester in the first half inside 26 minutes every City defender had been penalised for late tackles Eamon Dunphy was bundled over in the final minutes, but a penalty claim was refused. Ron Howell, substituting for injured Brian Brown, who he went off during the game, almost produced a dramatic equaliser with only 90 seconds left, but his thunderbolt drew the best out of keeper Shilton. Yes, that's Peter Shilton, who would go on to play for Nottingham Forest, win the European Cup, played for England's 100-plus appearances for the national team, and would play as late as the 1990 uh, Italian World Cup, Italia 90. And there is a photo to go with that match report, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll um, screenshot and stick it on on the uh, the link when we put this show out. It's a picture of Kitchen upended, clutching his um, his, his shin. You can't see his face. It is, it is listed as uh, Barry Kitchener in the, in the caption there, but he's, he's kind of um, head down on the floor, clutching his shin. It must have been, been clattered, referee standing over him, um, and there's a caption about an ostrich. Kate Ostrich is putting their face in the ground, which I think is, um, you know, he wasn't a player that um, went down easily, Kate, so he must have took a, a bit of a knock in the course of that game. So as I say, the 69-70 to 70 season would eventually finish with 
Millwall in mid-table respectability in 10th position in actual fact by the end of the season. But it was certainly a disappointing start. Um, this game was played on the 30th of August. We had a fairly busy and hectic August programme prior to this home loss to, to Leicester. Opening day uh, pounding up at Bolton Wanderers. 4-1 loss there. A 3-1 loss at Middlesbrough. A draw at Cholton, at home to Cholton, uh, on the 16th of August. A draw against Middlesbrough at home, at Coldblow Lane. And then losses at QPR. And then, of course, this particular fixture we're talking about um, versus Leicester City. In actual fact, we wouldn't win until as late in the season as, um, well, 10 games into the season on the 13th of September. A 4-2 home win over Carlisle. And going into that game, we're in 19th position, not in the, in the table. So certainly um, a very drab start to a season that would eventually come together. Um, and, as, you know, we finish mid-table respectability by the end of the campaign, 1969-70. Uh, and I think, but for this this fairly difficult start to the season, we might have expected to have done done better still. But... There we are. At least we, we pulled away from relegation. We were in 21st position as late as uh, late October. So could have been a lot worse. I suppose that's the best you can say. Now, the thing is with the Mill team of this time, I'm going to come on to Benny Fenton shortly. Um, but this was a period where we were building a team. I think, you know, as you look at the, the season, this predates me going. So I'm I'm inferring a lot from statistics and looking at the, the league tables and the what we now know with the benefit of hindsight would be a squad that would eventually take us as close to promotion to the top flight as would be achieved until the classic team of 88 would, you know, would finally do it. But certainly Benny Fenton, it was an interesting manager and came to us in 1966 after the departure of uh, Ron Gray, Billy Gray, sorry, Billy Gray, who mentioned in a previous show, he departed us in 1966. And Benny came in with, with great expectations because Billy Gray had, had actually achieved a lot, taking us from the fourth division to the uh, the brink of the second division. But it was B. Benny Fenton who had actually developed that squad and build the structure for a team that would make a serious attempt and come heartbreakingly close to achieving promotion to the, the top flight that would um, come that season obviously would be 1971 to 72 where promotion was stolen from us at the very death by by Birmingham City but we're not going to go on about that today we're going to talk about Benny Fenton a manager who we haven't really mentioned that much over the course of our numerous shows over time and especially the lockdown shows that I've done you know, during the uh, the recent pandemic lockdown and, and recently. We never really touched on Benny Fenton. I don't know why that is. Um, I think because it it's a psychological thing in me. I think history I regard as prior to when I started going, or maybe before you were born, as I already said, history begins the moment that you are become aware. And Benny Fenton was the first manager in place when I started going to Mill in 1972 and maybe for that reason it doesn't seem like a historical figure in my mind I don't know maybe it's all absolute stuff and nonsense I don't know but the thing you've got to say about Benny Fenton um one of my notes that I've written here is I mean he's a manager for eight years and he was a manager of almost constant 
improvement to the side. It would all go wrong in the end, as all management does. No manager is successful forever. But for the period of 1966 up until pretty much 1972, uh, it was consistent improvement for the Lions. And I don't think you can ask much more than that. His, his management record was um, 149 wins in the eight-year period. 113 draws and 128 losses. So a more than more than adequate managerial record. Um, but it raises the question of who was Benny Fenton? Um, he was a major figure in Mill history. One of our, I think our third longest serving manager of all time. After such names as Bob Hunter and Charlie Hewitt. And then comes Benny Fenton with eight years. So Benny Fenton, born in 1918, 28th of October 1918. He passed away in July 2000. He had a, an extensive playing career, played for West Ham, Millwall briefly, relatively briefly, extensively for Charlton in the in the, in the uh, 50s, and then Colchester United. So his, his career began with West Ham pre-war, 1937. He made a brief um, stint with Millwall before war broke out in 1939, just 20 appearances as a player for the Lions, seven goals. He played as an inside forward stroke wing half, which I suppose in modern parlance you'd you'd call it an attacking midfielder come striker. Um in the old the old formation, obviously five three two, they had set positions and wing wing half was kind of like a midfield position and inside forward just off of the of the main centre forward. After his wartime service in the in the Essex regiment, Benny joined Charlton, played two hundred and sixty four times for Charlton, a first division side. Back in those times, certainly for part of that that period, twenty-two goals he scored for the Addicts, nineteen forty-seven to fifty-five, before moving on to Colchester, where he was player manager, um, made hundred and four appearances for Colchester and scored fifteen goals for them. Now, managerially, he he was player manager at Colchester with some success, actually, um, and he actually led Colchester to promotion. From the fourth division as runners up in 1961-62. He would then go on to join Leighton Orient as manager in 1963, but was sacked, ignominiously sacked after 56 games in charge of Leighton Orient, um, before coming to Millwall in 1966. Uh, and as I say, his record at the den, I think, is stacks up with the very best in our club's history. Of course, it went wrong, and the you know the circumstances of him losing his job in in nineteen seventy four were quite sad. I mean, the, the team that he'd built that took us so close to promotion in seventy two was starting to fray around the edges. Age was taking its toll. Players were you know Crips were still in the side when I I first started going, as I've said, but it was clear that there was a new um, you know a, a, a new a new wind was blowing down Colblow Lane, and Benny actually. Um, you know, suffered for it in the end. He was sacked in October '74. This was a big deal. I remember this this happening. I'd started going in '72, so I was only what 11. And Benny Fenton was sacked in '74. The team was struggling, so I had no real conception of the the depth of 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 contribution that the man had made to our club. But I was well aware all around us that the likes of Cripps and and Benny Fenton. And others, Brian Brown, who we'll come on to shortly, were seen as major figures, and and this that something big was was passing us. So 
Um, he was sacked in October 1974, and he would actually then go on to, um, oddly, perhaps oddly, I don't know, um, become secretary at Cholton Club Secretary, which is which is weird. Um, I think it's weird. Administrative role after being manager. Perhaps it's not weird. Um, he also served as assistant manager in, in 1980 and took a role of general manager at the club at uh, the Valley in June 1981. He stayed there till 1982. Um, interest outside football. I love this little detail. These are the details we we love, dear listeners, that he played lawn bowls for Essex County's team. Um, so, yeah, bowls. Um, good sport, bowls. I, I know I must be getting old and thinking about playing bowls myself someday. But anyway... Um, Essex County player. Um, he married, married his wife Winnie on Christmas Day, nineteen thirty-nine. They had one daughter, two grandchildren, one great-grandchild. In later life, he lived in Dorset in Poole, where he died aged eighty-one. Um, big figure in Mill history. Benny Fenton should be mentioned more often and deserves a place in the you know in the panel. I, I think if we're going to start doing plaques for ex-players and we should do plaques for ex-players of contribution benny fenton like bob hunter and and others hewitt possibly needs a plaque at the den and maybe that's going to be another project for another time another place we'll see on that front benny fenton 1918 to 2000 mill manager 1966 to 1974 rest in peace benny when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Achtung, Mehlball. Now I've picked out two other players um, just to... Um, less, less, less mentioned, I think. I mean, one, one less mentioned than the others. I picked out Brian Brown from that team. Um, Brian Brown was a fullback when I first began going. He, he was the kind of um, oppo to Harry Cripps. I think Cripps played on the left, I believe, and Brown would have been a right back if memory serves. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. I'm sure someone will if I'm wrong. But Brown is a 
not mentioned very often player, made a big contribution to Mill Football Club, and remarkably, I can't find much about him online. Now, I don't do a huge amount of prep for these these um, these shows, listeners. I kind of get the random um, year and work briefly on, on, on what I can find out swiftly without too much research. So if anyone out there knows what happened to Brian Brown after he left Mill Football Club, that would be very interesting to find out because there's not a huge amount of information about Brian online. Now, as I say, he was um, a fullback, 208 appearances for the Lions, 208 starts, 1968 to 1975, um, four substitute appearances, scored five goals. He was a mainstay of our defence under Benny Fenton in the late 60s and early 70s. And he was certainly um, seen as the the kind of opposite number to Harry Cripps. I well remember in 74 once uh, Fenton had, had um, left stroke sacked. Um, there was also another kind of cataclysmic moment when Harry Cripps and Brian Brown were dropped in favour of Dave Donaldson and Eddie Jones. And this was seen as a big thing. I remember the programme notes mentioning a wind of change blowing along Colblow Lane because these were seen as um, players of, of standing who had whose time had come and there was an air, air of sadness to it, albeit mixed with, with realism. So born in Shoreditch, Brian Brown, 1949, Shoreditch boy. Played for the Lions, 68 to, to 1975. He'd signed for us on a freebie from Chelsea. Can't find much information about him online other than the fact that he left us in 75 uh, to join Dartford. Now, the when you look at his... I can only presume he was injured because uh, he signed for us a, a, at the age of 19, which is fair enough, from Chelsea. Contributed a lot, 208 appearances and a mainstay of a defence that would elevate us as a club to being seen as a substantial second division side when, obviously, historically... You don't need me to tell you, we've been probably more third tier than, than second tier over the course of our Football League history. But under under Benny Fenton in the late 60s, with that defence, Brian Brown, Harry Cripps, in time Alan Dorney, and then and then uh, Brian Brown on the, on the other side, we were established as a mid-table second division side with thoughts and aspirations that we were going to look upwards. And that's a remarkable achievement in, in Mill terms. So the reason that I mentioned Brian Brown is there's not an awful lot about him on, online other than the fact that the facts that I've outlined, the bare bones of it. Um, his last game came in 1974. The team was struggling at this at this point. Gordon Jago would join us after Benny Fenton would, would depart in October and eventually the team would be relegated to the third division. So Brian Brown's last game was actually a 2-0 loss away at Bristol Rovers. Um, but if anyone's got any information, whatever happened to, to Brian Brown, why did he leave the game at 26? I'm going to guess, and it's pure speculation, he joined Dartford because he was injured and couldn't recover. Back then, players, as we've heard speaking to to the great Trevor Lee and, and even Brian King, to be honest, whose career was also cut short through injury, the medical um, support available to players back then was rudimentary at best. And I think also, if we're going to be absolutely honest without straying too far into the realms of politics, players were seen as semi-disposable um, units to be moved around by management and, and those that owned the game. They were just seen as 
use them and abuse them and move them on when their time was done. So there we are, Brian Brown, good defender, very good defender. As I say, a mainstay of our defence in a time period where we became a substantial side in the second division. So, um, Brian Brown, 1968 to 75. You're listening to Achtel Noor. And finally, in this particular show, I'm going to mention Keith Weller. Um, now, Keith Weller predates my time as a Millwall fan. I was only 11 when I first started going, so I, I, I knew of Keith, Keith Weller's name, but he was playing for other clubs. I think he was playing for Leicester City by the time I became kind of a conscious um, you know, football fan, stroke fan of Millwall. Um, but he did play for Millwall um, for three seasons in the, in the late 60s. And very, very highly rated as a player by anyone who saw him. Um, I've, I, I, I've never read any detrimental comment about his, his skill on the football field. So I just thought to close this particular show, I don't speak with any personal knowledge of Keith Weller. So I'm up front going to say that to you, dear listeners. I can only go by the, um, the account on Wikipedia, but uh, I thought maybe I'd just run through that for you just to close out today's show. Uh, Keith Weller, born 1946, June, passed away in November 2004 in, in, in Seattle, in, in the USA. Uh, he was considered to be one of the finest, or Leicester City's greatest ever players. I'd say one of Millwall's greatest ever players. Um, he was a midfielder stroke striker, attacking midfielder, come striker. Played during the 1960s and 70s. He played for Spurs, began his career at Spurs. 121 appearances for the Lions, 40 goals, 1967 to 70. He would go on to Chelsea, where he'd win a, a, a UEFA Cup Winners' Cup in 1971. Just 38 appearances for Chelsea. Uh, sold we, we sold him to Chelsea for 100,000. Strangely, they sold him to Leicester for 100,000. Um, not sure what lies behind that, because highly skillful player. Also, given the type of Chelsea side they had, then you would have said that Keith was a... The epitome of a Chelsea player, but clearly he didn't get along for some reason there. He then moved to Leicester City, where he would probably spend, and is best known for the bulk of his career, best known for his his contribution to Leicester. 262 appearances here, 37 goals for Leicester, um, before he would, on oh, one cap for England, actually uh, four caps for England, excuse me, played for England four times, scoring a goal against Northern Ireland in the 73 74 home championships. Uh, Keith would finish his career playing football in the USA. Many strikers, or many, many players at that time, did make the journey to America. It was seen as a brand new market, um, I suppose to a degree it still is. It's probably more established now, thanks to the efforts of the likes of Weller and, and Pele and, and Cruyff, I think, went over to New York. But uh, Keith Weller would join the New England team in. It's great names, I like these names. From Leicester City, he played for them 1978 to 1980. Then the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, um, indoor football as well. They have an indoor league out there. Uh, the Tulsa Roughnecks, and then the Fort Lauderdale Sun. He would finish his career. Uh, he'd also manage out there as well. Um, he'd manage the Fort Lauderdale, the Houston Dynamos, the Dallas Sidekicks, assistant manager, the De San Diego Soccers. That's with a K. And then indoor football, which is something we don't really 
have much of. I know that the major leagues in, in America were soccer was indoor for a while. Maybe the climate and and you know the the heat and so on makes it more practical out there. The Tacoma Indoor Stars and the Sacramento Knights. Weller. Um, he lived in America for the remainder of his life after departing um, England. Lived in Seattle. He owned a coffee shop um, in, in, in Seattle and served as a news station broadcast van driver. Uh, sadly, Keith passed away of cancer in, in 2004, aged 58. His honours included the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup 1971 with Chelsea, the uh, NASL Soccer Bowls runners-up with Fort Lauderdale and uh, USL, I think that's the, the Indoor League, in 1984 championship winner. Um, interesting character, Keith Weller. Um, always picture I mean, the pictures I've seen of him. There's uh, he famously wore tights in a game at a time when men wearing tights was not going to uh, draw comment. Put it that way. Um, so he was not afraid of being out there. I think that's that's what I've always perceived about Keith Weller. Uh, those that saw him, please correct me if I've got any of this wrong. But I always pictured him being a slightly maverick. Character, someone not afraid to go out on his own and be his own man. Wearing tights in 1970s football would draw attention and comment. Um, there's a famous photo of him from Millwall where he's, he's almost refereeing and controlling a game. He's got a whistle in his mouth. I wonder whether his personality made him at times difficult to get along with. If anyone can correct me on that, I don't. Please do. I'm speculating. Um... But Keith Weller, one of the best players ever to wear a Millwall shirt, the most skillful, his track record in the game, and his you know his, his, his honours both here and then in America. That willingness to go and be his own man and take his game, his talent to the USA, probably speaks volumes about Keith Weller as as a man, a man unafraid to stand apart. And I respect, and if I'm going to be honest with you, listeners, I admire that. Thank you, Keith Weller. R.O.P. Rest in peace. Keith Weller. So there we are, dear listeners. That's our random fixture. I've, I've tried to touch on a couple of names in Weller, uh, Fenton and Brown, who we haven't really ever mentioned in the past on these shows. I hope I've done them justice. If you have anything that you want to say to what I've said or corrections or stories or anything of that kind, on any this or any of the other shows, please, please do get in touch with us. Email is achtungmilwall, or one word, at gmail. Dot com. You can leave us a voice message, um, 0208 144 If you're listening from abroad, it's plus 44 208 144 I don't answer the phone. It goes straight through to an answer phone. So, you know, um, please do leave us a message. Or you can just tweet me on at Achdonmill on, on the Twitter. Thank you for listening to this random fixture show dear listeners i hope you've enjoyed it we'll try and do a couple more next week but for now it's nick hart signing out and saying arrivederci millwall thanks for listening thank you for listening to aston millwall if you enjoyed the show please head over to apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review arrivederci millwall till next time
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.